When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a lovely scene at Lords tonight, the ground bathed in sunlight, it's the best weather of the last couple of days for sure, and of course the players have gone off after an extended day's play, which saw 11 wickets fall, 258 to England, a fairly disappointing performance I'd say overall, they got one wicket back, the wicket of David Warner, and Australia finishing 30 for one. The red of the advertising hoarding still showing the uh, advice to text Ruth 10 to 70507 to donate £10. So that's the Ruth Strauss Foundation, which has been very much the focus of the day. You've got your red T-shirt. You found a red T-shirt then. I did. It's, it's not the greatest, actually, is well, it? I, I, it? looks I, like you've got it, got it out of a tombola, out of one of those tiny little things that you get out of a tombola, or even a cracker, actually. It's very thin. Because of the rain yesterday, I went, I went home relatively early, looked in my drawer, no red shirt. I thought I'd better go to the shop. So I actually, I actually bought it did you? just before the They shops. saw you coming, yeah. didn't they? Well, I didn't pay a huge amount of money for it. I would have thought no. that you should, you, they should have paid you to take that away. Mm. But anyway, so it's still, it, it's in keeping. I, I, I made an effort. about mine then? What do you think? Not, not too bad, yeah. Not, not too bad? It was, That's the most polite thing people have said today. Well, I think it's the sort of thing people used to wear in the 1970s, that. I remember, I remember having a shirt yeah. like that in 1974. Alex Stewart said, what did you do? Go to your wardrobe and pick your worst shirt and put it on. <laughs> well, it was a bit like that, actually. It's the only one with any red in it. But it's nice to be able to wear something which you bought in a moment of madness about 10 years ago and get another wear out of it. We've got a man behind us uh, painting the World Cup final uh, canvas. It's a massive canvas behind us. Sasha is, is finishing off this uh, and fantastic looking, very modern impression of the World Cup final. Sasha, you know about colours. What do you think of my shirt? <laughs> what do you think? All right? I just think people are being unnecessarily rude. Okay, thanks. I, well, I like it, mate. He likes it. Okay, and it's, his painting. It's is... important to be unnecessarily rude to Simon Hughes. <laughs> yes, thanks. It, it, it's, a, it's sort of it's, it's, it's a rite of passage, I suppose. Uh, it is an impressive piece of work, I have to say, behind us, which is uh, coming to its conclusion and will be available, I think, to to be able to buy, actually, at some point, with all the players in the final signature on it to commemorate that amazing World Cup triumph. We're at the same ground, of course. Whether England can win this match, though, I'm not sure. I just thought the batting, again, looked pretty scratchy. Yeah, insipid, wasn't it? Some soft dismissals. Australia bowled well. And yeah, got, they did, They've yeah. got a good bowling attack, and it was always going to be challenging with uh, Hazelwood coming back into the sides. Yeah, really solid bowler. 
and you know just mm. waiting for his chance. Got early wickets. Uh, Roy out in his first over. He got Root as well. You know, always a key wicket. And he also got rid of uh, Joe Denley as well for 30. So, I mean, 258 could have been much worse for England. I mean, we talked mm. yesterday about, you know, there's still time in this match to have a result. One day knocked out, still time enough to have a result. And, and I think today showed that. I mean, 11 wickets, the game was advanced. It, I mean, it almost went you know, really Australia's way. If they bowled England out for 160, 170, then it's time to get a lead and make, really make it into a three-innings game. They could still do that. The weather forecast for the third day is not very good. So we anticipate that we might, we might only get one session of play on, on the third day. Even so, Australia still have a, a winning chance, I think. Here's the scenario. They get to lunch uh, on the third day, say... 140 for two. Well, or, well, say say they get there, yeah, 100, 120 for three at lunch, yeah, yeah. say. So they've still got the, the the Saturday play, when we anticipate the weather's going to be good, to, to get close to England's score or past it. it. So they get a lead of 50, 70, something like that. Then the pressure's right on England in their... Second innings. Second innings, on, in the third innings of the match, on the final day. I mean, in a way, it'd be hard for England to win. The only way I can see England winning from here is if they rolled Australia out for 150, mm. some, something like that, or you know, un, under 200, and then we're able to build a lead. But you know, are they going to have time to build a big enough lead, or are they going to have to get bowled out? And does that, you know, it, it's hard to see England winning from here. Australia, I think, still have a winning chance. With yeah. the weather forecast, you probably still just favour the draw, but anything can happen. Things happen very quickly on this ground. Yeah, that's true. Of the uh, England performances, obviously Jason Roy, disappointing. I thought he played at a ball he should have left from the nursery end. Uh, it was a good delivery, but it, it was six, seven, eight inches wide. Which Ball before know, got him out, though, in a way? Yeah, I mean, it was, well, yeah, that can happen. But I think you, you have to set your stall if you're batting at the pavilion and facing the bowling from the nursery. And if anybody's swinging it away, you think to yourself, right, anything... Just on off stump or just outside, you can, especially short of a length, mm. you can leave alone. He was sort of poking at that a little bit indeterminately. I thought uh, generally Rory Burns handled things well. I just never have any confidence that Joe Denley is going to carry on. He sort of looks nice for a 20 or 30, but then he just plays a, at either a good ball or plays a loose shot and gets out. I just don't feel he has any permanence. Joss Butler doesn't look right at the moment to me. He looks tentative. Ben Stokes got out trying to be aggressive, but just picked the wrong ball. Johnny Vesto, much better. Mm. You know, it, it, obviously the score tells you that. He got 52, which is his best score, equal his best score since he got 110 in, in Sri Lanka when he was pitched up to open. Uh, so that's his best score for about eight months. Open for England. number three? Was it number three? Maybe yeah. it was number three. But he certainly forced up the order, wasn't he? Uh, and th- then... His batting today looked tighter. Mm. I thought, he, you know, more selective. The defence was good. You know, he, he played some firm shots, but he wasn't reckless or anything. And well, it was a shame he got out in the end trying to lob uh, line into the into the stand. But I suppose he had to do something with the number eleven there because England were going nowhere. Yeah, sort of. I, I don't know about that. I, I thought that he perhaps could have just bided his time a little bit longer. I mean, yeah. they got Leach at the other end, who made ninety-two in the last match, albeit against Ireland, who's looking solid enough. You know, he had some support there. I wonder whether he could just you know, bide his time a bit longer. They might, have, you know, they might have been able to put together you know twenty or thirty for that last wicket and just sort of keep Australia out there as well. Yeah, I, perhaps England wanted an hour at them. You know, they mm. play play a few shots, see what happens, and then you get a chance to. Bowl you know, for an hour at Australia, and, and they picked up the wicket of Warner. But yeah, best, agree, right, best. They played really well. He looked in control, didn't he? And he let the ball come to him, hit the ball crisply. Yeah, it's, it's the best I've seen him play in red ball for a while. I have to hand it though to, for me, the player of the day was Pat Cummins. Mm. 
21 overs, 8 maidens, 3 for 61, and he was charging in from the pavilion end, even towards the end of the day at sort of quarter to six, bowling short, bowling aggressively, bowling at about 88, 89 miles an hour, just bowling that insistent sort of horrible length into your armpits. And he kind of finished the innings off effectively when England had a bit of a resurgence with that partnership between Bairstow and the redoubtable Chris Wokes, who again got into the 30s for the third time in succession and just plays nice, sensible, simple cricket. But he got flustered and and really kind of found out a little bit, worked over by Cummins, who hit him on the head with a ball that didn't bounce and then whistled another couple past his ear holes and he was ducking and weaving and then he was a little bit unluckily caught down the leg side. And then he gave uh, Joffre Archer a bit of a going Mm -hmm. over as well. Archer handled it initially quite well, but in the end he got one into the armpits, which he managed to sort of skew into the offside. So Cummins there, just sort of making his presence felt, his impact on the series, I think, sort of growing almost by the over. He's just someone you just don't want to face. He yeah. just keeps coming in. Well, that, that, that's the point. He keeps coming in. He bowled a spell of seven consecutive yeah. overs after yeah. lunch, and then in the, the later spell was, was six overs, and of course the innings came to an end. So, you know, seven overs spell, six overs spell. You say, oh, you know, what, what's seven overs? But for a fast bowler giving yeah. everything, yeah. it, you know, not in the first session, it's, not, it's quite a lot. And, and actually, you know, bowling those short balls mm. as well, it does take a lot out of you. And he kept on at it. And they were those, not bouncers, but sort of into your ribs, into your armpit, batsman trying to duck out of the way trying to fend it off not quite sure how to deal with it the ball coming off at slightly different heights so it was a very very good overall a very good bowling performance by Australia Siddle nagging away outside off stump Hazelwood making the ball swing a little bit away Cummins at you all the time and then of course Nathan Lyon as well so who was found some turns so it you know it it re-emphasised for me that is a very good Australian bowling attack Cummings 10 wickets in the series already do you think they should to play Stark instead of Siddle? No, I, I think Lords with its slope rewards people who bowl consistent line and length with a little bit of seam either way and alright Siddle didn't take a stack of wickets but he held an end up really well kept asking questions no one had a, a real sort of aggressive answer to him he's not an easy bowler to dominate he gives you control and that's what you know most test captains want It's very early days in the series but I've noticed one just one small thing England's highest run scorer and their leading wicket taker so far, neither played in the World Cup. Yes. Burns and Broad. I don't know whether that's just one of those things or whether mm. you know, whether they are just a bit a bit fresher. Look at someone like Joss Butler, five, one and twelve so far. Mm. No, I, I think undoubtedly so. And if you go back to uh, a podcast we did about a month ago after the World Cup win, when we interviewed Matt Dawson about the legacy yeah. of winning the Rugby World Cup, and he said one of the key things for him that they didn't do uh, as a team, as a rugby team, was give the players more rest than they thought they needed. You think you need, after an intensive campaign like the World Cup, you think you need two, three weeks off. You don't. You need a lot more. Mm. You but need four no, or five weeks off. But there's no there's prospect no, of them no, getting there. No. Uh, and, and, you know, there are. These guys are weary. I mean, Liam Plunkett said to me the other day, 
when he came into the Surrey team seven, six, seven days after the World Cup final, he was in, in a complete daze yeah. and he was still falling asleep in the afternoon. It takes a huge amount out of you, yeah. that kind of commitment to that sort of campaign with that sort of intensity, that kind of expectation, the amount of travelling and practising and playing they had to do under the enormous uh, responsibility of, of delivering England their first ever World Cup win. So I think these players are still suffering and you're right, you know, it's, it, it's going to leave a, a a bit of a sort of stain on their performance. Possibly even David Warner as well. I mean, he was very mm. successful in the World yeah. Cup. He's got a, a lot of runs for Australia in the World Cup. So far in the Ashes, two, eight and three. Mm. And Broad has dismissed him three times. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a very valid point. The other star of the World Cup, of course, who came to the, the action towards the end of the day today, Jofra Archer making his Test match debut, much anticipated. Is it the most anticipated Test match debut since Graham Hick, do you think? Well, I don't know, or possibly Kevin Peterson. Or possibly you know, Peterson, yeah. Something like that. Archer, actually, he might have had a wicket, yeah. but England didn't appeal. There was a, a, a just a little nick of, 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 that was detected by... Um, what the they, DRS, what the yeah. Snicko, Snicko, yeah, and, and England, Ultra Edge, Ultra, that's it, Ultra Edge. England didn't appeal, mm. and no one spotted it. But apparently there was something on there, and was so that to Cameron Bancroft. No, it was to David Warner. So Warner was out soon afterwards, yeah, and and Broad got the wicket. So he could have had a wicket. In fact, he bowled probably the ball of the game so far. That second delivery yeah. to Bancroft in his first over from the nursery end sort of scissored back mm. from outside off and did so much of it. It did a sort of a jackknife mm. and went out of reach of Bairstow's left hand in the end. It just missed the off stump and ended up down at fine leg for four byes. Amazing delivery. And I think, although he didn't take a wicket, Archer, he got the speed gun up to 92. I felt he inspired Broad to just have a bit more zest at the other end and he got the wicket of Warner and I think his his seam position Archer's seam position his lovely wrist action making the ball zip around is definitely going to produce results for England in, in due course Is it going to produce results tomorrow? That's the key I mean they, they need those wickets now don't they? I, I, one aspect of t- tomorrow morning's play on, on the third morning of this match is that because because we anticipate some weather coming in it's going to be overcast in the mornings you feel that those sort of couple of hours if we do get two hours play or two three hours under overcast skies England clearly need to make Mm. The very most of it. I mean, I, they had a good hour Australia tonight. There were favourable conditions. It was a bit overcast. The, the, uh, the sun's come out now, but the, the lights were on. Do you think they made absolutely the most of it? Just took the one wicket? Uh, they no, really like probably taking... not. No, I, I mean, I don't think. That, in fact, I don't think Archer made the right hand to play quite enough. Mm. But it's a bit much to be too critical on his first ever Test uh, bowling performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Broad was pretty good. I mean, the, Kawaja handled it pretty well. Mm. Bancroft. I mean. There wasn't a huge amount in the pitch. No. I think the Australians exploited it and held England's batting very effectively. England have got to do the same with Australia tomorrow. Yeah, and also uh, there's also that tendency as well to, to strive for wickets, mm. isn't there? Well, you know, when you come out, you've got you know an hour's play or 55 minutes play. You, you, you strive for hard, wickets. So you're, perhaps sometimes, you, yeah, and, well, you and, know and that all, as a fast and, and actually, uh, I think Root possibly over-attacked slightly. I mean, he had a field to Archer from the pavilion end when he came on at the end. Mm. Three slips, two short legs, not hardly anybody in front of the wicket. I thought that maybe that was just a bit expecting a bit too much. But Archer certainly didn't disappoint in terms of accuracy, in terms of asking questions. He just needs to get into it a a little bit more. And I think he'll be extremely dangerous as a test bowler. What does the match uh, hold tomorrow? Well, as you say, I mean, the weather is 
the sort of deciding factor, really. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. If we could get if we get short days play, then England need to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, it's always harder for batsmen, I think, in short day, truncated days because they've got to go on and off the field if there's a shower or something and start again. So that should be to England's advantage. They can get a lead. They've got to hit Australia hard whenever they get the chance tomorrow. And of course, they've got to get Steve Smith early. Yeah. And we're going to be watching Phil Tufnell. I've seen Phil Tufnell today uh, and his promise to run naked down St Joswood High Street if England gets Smith out for naught. Um, we've got the cameras all ready. Yeah, toughest. I mean, he's been mentioned on air a few times. I, mean, he won't, I don't think he'll back out. He can't, um, he can he? Won't, he won't. The only thing is, I'm not sure he's able to actually run down St Johnswood. He might kind of hobble or lurch down St Johnswood High Street, which means he's got a much greater chance of being arrested. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it, it's a big if, mind you. They got to get. It, it's only in this match they get him out for naught okay. in this match. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's not mm. in the rest of his career. You see, if you get they get him out for naught in this match, anyway, that's that's the challenge for England tomorrow to to you know, try to. Well, if we only get one session's play tomorrow, you know, yeah. England's goal would be something like Australia lunch one twenty for five. Australia would be looking at you know one twenty for. Two or three maximum, aren't they? That that sort of thing. I think you know. We we'll see where we are. Well, thank goodness it was a clear day, a sunny day today to commemorate Ruth Strauss and launch the foundation officially and create more awareness for this fantastic charity, which is looking into that rare lung disease which she very tragically died of. Uh, she would have been proud today to see her sons and husband ringing the bell five minutes before the start of play, and the way that the crowd responded as well, with all the people dressed in red around the ground in their different ways. I thought it was a fantastic event, and hopefully it will lead to a very strong and flourishing charity. Absolutely. And a, and a really interesting day's cricket as well. Not not flawless, not by any means, but a really interesting day's cricket, which you know sets the match up if the weather semi-behaves itself. It's not going to behave itself entirely in the next few days, but if it you know gives us enough play to to get an outright result in the game. Still possible. Yeah, I'm absolutely right. So we're looking forward to tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you this time tomorrow night. Oh, and by the way, you can see how Sasha's painting is developing if you go to my Twitter feed, at The Analyst. Podcast Network.